everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sam Podcast. My name is Lee Austin. This is my co-host Sheldon Monroe. Super excited today because we have on essentially our German counterparts. It's a, a student group from Germany who it focuses on focuses on the pandemic issues, but they also get into a number of different political um, topics. So, could you guys start off by sort of introducing yourselves? We'll start with Paul and tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, so I'm Paul and I'm doing um, public relations for Stauf, which basically is the German term for students getting up. And um, yes, as, as many of you might know um, or might uh, yeah expect, we formed during the so-called Corona pandemic. And yeah, and we were obviously not okay with the things that were going on in our country. And uh, we basically found ourselves in the whole of Germany. I'm in the east right now. I'm quite far in the south, southeast of Germany. And Mike, who's with me today, he's in Berlin, which is like more in the northern part. And uh, yeah, he can say, yeah, some some uh yeah some words of introduction yeah yeah well i'm mike there's not something very special about me i'm just a regular member of uh, stauf and i'm very happy to be part of this interview wonderful wonderful so you guys take us through i think for, for our canadian listeners who might not be aware your situation in germany what did the restrictions look like what was sort of the the, the narrative coming from 2020 and and onward into the situation we're in now march 2023 i know that's a, a big period of time there three years but if you can go over a little bit how did germany react to this and and also what situation were you guys in when this when this first um occurred yeah so Starting off in 2020, um, the government made a very elaborated distraction tactic because in the very first weeks they were saying, oh no, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it, masks don't do anything and people in China are overreacting and we're not concerned and then they in the background they were developing the pcr test or basically mr drosten who did this infamous test which i think everyone knows by now is just um proving that you're having some teeny tiny 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 particles of um coronaviruses and not even specifically one coronavirus so um, he was developing this test and they were having the patient number one who came from Wuhan, China. And uh, she took she took some, some aspirin or something along the lines to suppress her symptoms. And, um, and then she infected other people. And then they were saying, ooh, it's a very bad virus because she infected so many people. But what the mainstream media didn't report on was the fact that basically she was suppressing her symptoms and something what we then called an asymptomatic infection simply does not occur. So um, then they had their uh, narrative, which was like, oh, you can... Um, you can transmit the virus even if you're not having or showing any symptoms and then they were completely making a u-turn and then saying oh no it's very dangerous stay at home and they even made such stupid things as putting their hands 
above their um heads and it was like uh talking to three-year-old children and um i i'm sorry but i just could have vomited from the very first press conference that i have been seeing and i was you know i was a little bit um yeah how could you say i was uh, not in the picture of like what this crisis would be gone where it could lead us and where it did lead us because when I saw the very first press conference I was like okay I, I turn it off after two minutes I was like okay people can't be as stupid <laughs> that they I couldn't believe that anyone could believe this nonsense I was like okay after two weeks they will go in front of the cameras again and say okay basically we were telling you nonsense we were very sorry about that and uh and it was like a fake alarm and, you know, but I was very um, blown out of my socks when they were implementing the mask mandates. But Mike, do you want to add something to the beginning of the crisis? It's basically just as you described. It was gaslighting in the beginning. There's nothing happening, guys. And then they closed down. Um the population itself or everyone around us, they reacted uh, very differently. There were some people in, uh, who, who tried to buy masks before the government said the virus would be dangerous. So you would go into the supermarkets or uh, what's it called, like specialized marketplaces, and you would try to get a mask, FFP2, what's it called, and yeah, yeah. it wouldn't be available. And so after the lockdowns, we said, well, close everything down for two weeks. Everyone stays at home. And suddenly the toilet paper was running out. We stopped having any pasta. And so that was the beginning of the whole thing. What is this with the toilet paper? Why is everyone going for toilet paper in the crisis? Like, it's so weird. So, so I can, you know, some psychologists already made their analysis on this. And, you know, for France, they were hoarding red wine and condoms and um you know that is so french yeah <laughs> so french yeah yeah but but i think you know if it comes to your intimate parts what i have heard is like that you have like an existential fear and also that you are wanting to be clean and for me it's very for me, I see it like a new religion which has been formed. I think it didn't form naturally in my mind because I call it scientism and it's like a monolithic religion where the truth, you know, the quote-unquote truth in capital letters is declared by the so-called majority of the scientists which you have to believe and uh, yeah, and if you don't believe the science in capital letters, you're a traitor. And, and we had like the reformation in Germany and, you know, to my knowledge, I wasn't alive back then, but who knows with it, reincarnation and stuff. But, but I was like, it was such an insane thing because I think it was for me it was like a novel religion that has been established over the topic of coronavirus well you're right like it it definitely is um even with the sort of Dr. Fauci situation that was happening in the states um how you could not question the science well 
that very sentence to me seems more of like a religious creed. Um, don't question the science because science demands to be questioned, whereas religion demands that you have faith in it. So you shouldn't be asking questions. You should just have faith. So that just feels like more of a religious tone to it. It's, it's very bizarre and it, it contradicts the true nature of science. So you're right to capitalize the science because it's a religion, not true science. But I, I'm curious, what were the other sort of restrictions that came into place? Because I know in Canada, we had like the vaccine mandates across all campuses and, and like in, in workplaces, people were getting fired. What was happening in Germany? Did you guys, did it get that extreme where people- Yes, yeah, so, so looking back, I think we were being prepped on the vaccine mandates. And, you know, if you see it from an analytical point of view, the whole- conversation was basically scripted because in the very beginning of 2020 they said I think it was by May of 2020 it was written it was ridiculous it was written in the department of um, economic economic affairs basically an internal paper was published like it was like coincidence like coincidence that the pandemic comes to an end when we have a vaccine available and they kept repeating this phrase over and over and over and over again and they were making people mad by not allowing them to go to work they shut down the whole cultural life and they implemented the mask mandates in public life so if you wanted to go on train if you wanted to go to a hospital and um, for the restaurant and you know now it, most ridiculous situation was in the in the trains because if you were in a normal uh, cabin you had to wear your mask and then if you went to the especially in the high-speed trains if you went to the board restaurant then there was like a different virus because if you wanted to have like a coffee, have a sandwich or what have you not, you could take off your mask because it was a different virus in the in the board restaurant. So uh, right from the beginning, it was ridiculous what they have been implementing. And uh, Mike, maybe you can tell something about how they wanted to make us get the jab. Yeah, I think ridiculous is the best word. Like, uh, if you were a normal person living in Germany, there are a lot of things that are actually affecting you with these. Uh, it's not, it's laws. It's we have what's it called the Infektionsschutzgesetz. It's a, it's a, it's a law for the safety of the health in in, in the it corona. Was, it was basically for the English listeners. It was like an emergency uh, state of emergency law which they implemented. And, you know, they changed, as I think everyone knows by now, in, I think it was 2006, the WHO um, changed the definition of what they call a pandemic, because prior to that, when they had the swine flu and the bird flu, you had to have um, a high number, number of people with severe illnesses, as well as 
uh, a high number of people being killed by the novel disease. And they just, um, yeah, changed it into the fact that the new disease had to be spread, spread widely, which is true for a lot of things like germs, which are going around. And um, so they already made made the cleared the 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 um the field in order to implement those laws and they still have the um, emergency state of emergency laws in place and this is because they need that law in order to um to have the the genetic injections on the market because this was like the or still is the jurisdictional um, justification that they still are able to call this a vaccine and uh, have it with more or less no testing and spread it across the population. Yeah, it's it, sorry. Uh, were you going to say something there, Mike? I wouldn't. Yeah, I just wanted to to describe. I'm I'm going to make it short. Okay, so. No, go for it. <laughs> The emergency laws were affecting basically everything that you were doing. So when you are trying to use public transport, you'd have to be masked. Or later on, when the vaccine was available, you'd have a passport, a vaccine passport. And this vaccine passport, you, you either had to be masked and tested, negatively tested, or you'd have to have the vaccine, which we now in retrospect know it was... Uh, it was ridiculous because the vaccine never prevented transmission. And so people who are vaccinated, they didn't have to wear a mask in some cases. And those who weren't vaccinated, they had to wear a mask at all times. And so you would, you would sometimes get into situations where you would know that some person is not vaccinated. Or if they showed a test, you'd know, okay, they didn't get the vaccine. What they also did was they enforced this law in private businesses. So when you try to go shopping in supermarkets, then there would be someone checking if you had a mask. It wasn't a state. A it wasn't the state who was checking, not the police. In a, in a supermarket. Sorry, like right. with your, did you have to show your passport to get in, like your vaccine passport? I personally same. don't know. I had to oh. wear a mask. No, no, it was. It's the mask. It was, okay, then that's the same. It was the mask. Yeah, but it was. I felt like I was living on an alien continent because, you know, my appetite went down because even the process of buying foods and in my case, not wearing a mask was it was hard because everyone was staring at me and um I think, you know, a lot of aggression, when a lot of aggression builds up, you know, what politicians really like to be doing is to to pick a scapegoat and this 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 negative attention, which should be directed at the ones who implemented the laws had to be maneuvered to another place and they they at first they said oh it's the it's the youth which don't uh, which is still partying and it's not a go going along with the narrative and then when when this was like used up they they said oh it's the non-vaccinated you know this is like the new resident evil you know and they switched it you know they made it quite clever because um I think, you know, in propaganda, you always have to move the targets because 
in it in the nature of propaganda it doesn't make any sense and before people would become too critical they had to reinvent the narrative so to say and i i can only talk for germany they they did a really good job and what's also now been known for at least the critical folks uh, it's like that they um, employed behavioral scientists in order to shape the messaging and shape also like they did like a crazy amount of pictures which showed like what you could do and also for the christmas season they could they made like the most ridiculous um regulations because they said oh yeah you can have like uh, like 200 people over but they all have to be vaccinated but if one unvaccinated person comes along you can only spend your holidays like with two people and yeah. you know it was like it was it was insane if you're not married you can uh, have like free over and if you're married and you have like your cousin over that's okay it was it was beyond ridiculous and for me what still makes me want to sorry which makes me really sick is that people actually listen to that you know they were like oh yeah hmm, yeah they were really looking online into into uh, the, those charts and were really scheduling like how they could uh, arrange their Christmas festivities. And I'm sorry, it just made me feel very sick because I'm like, who who are you, you know? Why are you letting uh, someone else dictate how you spend your, your uh, holiday season? So uh, irritating is the very least I can say about the situation. So that's what, kind of what interesting. Paul is describing just just one second. What Paul is describing here, this was not a recommendation. It was actually illegal. They they had children's birthdays where the police came and they had to they they were uh, they were um, they were taken in by the police because they met. There were times when it was illegal to met to meet with more than three people from different households. This was really the case in Germany, and it was also illegal at some times, as as uh, to be on your way in your car at night after 21 uh 9 p.m that's 9 p.m in uh in uh in english time after 9 p.m and a curfew in a curfew right that's a curfew that's it's what's so weird is like that's all exactly what was happening here like it would be you know mm -hmm. if you live alone you can have one visitor but if you have someone living with you you can't have any visitors things like that but it, it just seems so odd that all the countries were doing just yeah. essentially the exact same things. And it earlier, kind of going, jumping back, um, you were saying how they were kind of prepping you, like they were priming you for what was coming next. And you kind of suggest that they know what's coming next and what they're going to do. I mean, that's my personal feeling on it. Why do you think all of, like, what, what do you think the purpose of all of this really was? Like, my understanding is they know that it's not as dangerous as it is, especially since they're contradicting themselves and all this stuff. What do you guys think the purpose is or like the bigger picture? And that's just your own feeling towards it. Yeah. And maybe just to quickly add to that, because I was going to build the same kind of question as we just formed. Um, you mentioned also the, the international organizations, like you just briefly spoken on the WHO. I mean, more we think of it, just how eerily similar what you guys just described to me and Lee's situation here in Canada was. Is you know what what when did, did you 
start thinking it was kind of something to do with world organizations. I don't want to sound very conspiratorial or anything, but I mean, there's certain curiosity there that, you know, multiple countries mandated it in very similar ways. Any other thoughts you could provide on, on that would be great too. So my, I'm not, I have to be very clear. I'm not talking, talking for Stauf as an organization. It's just my, my point of view. <laughs> and my personal point of view is that the, the magic virus appeared because they had to consolidate the markets. And um, in, in August, 2019, they had a huge, uh, problems on the repo market and and it was clear that that the centrally controlled currency system would be under severe pressure and um and um there was a meeting held in um Jackson Hall and um it was in August 2019 beforehand and it's called the going direct reset you can also look it up look it up and basically which it states is that the central banking is not doing um, monetary policies but fiscal policies as well and what i think happened uh on a global scale is that they were shutting down the businesses on main street and preventing them for doing their their businesses and then basically bankrupting them and buying it up cheap uh, with the very big conglomerates and also in germany we could like see the stocks of amazon and other trading companies such as the uh, uh, Schwartz Group, which which does a they do online shopping as well as grocery stores, they were skyrocketing, and and the small businesses went bankrupt because the magic virus was not so dangerous in a supermarket, but it was like very lethal in a small business where you could buy. Um, where you could buy like clothes or candles or some some yeah like non-food items and this is my explanation but uh, yeah Mike what would you say is the reason for the magic virus we had some talks about it and this is also just my personal opinion I'm just very trying to be pragmatic and I'm relatively agnostic about the whole thing I like to think that this whole thing, whatever this was, what happened is more like a chaotic system. There are very, there are a lot of actors and everyone is profiting in their own way. And everyone is profiting if they are going into relatively the same direction. What this fails to explain, of course, is how um, this, this lockstep mechanism we saw in the media, that is something that's very odd for a, for a chaotic system. But I would prefer this kind of explanation because well it's i i don't think there is like a global uh, organization that is acting behind closed doors i don't i don't really believe in that i just i just see in my personal vicinity and everywhere i go i see all this politics going on and everyone is just making money off it and uh, so it's natural to for me to think this way yeah and they definitely did and i think that's a good way of like you don't want to jump to certain conclusions, right? You want to take the evidence you have before you and think calmly because yeah. a lot of people can and, and you know, jump to certain conclusions. But yeah, that's very, oh, it's, 
it's it's hard to piece it all together because it's not just one thing, right? There's so many people involved and there's different reasons why people are, why they're motivated to do what they're doing. Um, yeah, we have... We have a German philosopher, I don't I don't know his name right now, but he's been writing about this and he's been saying this is a crime. I, I, I'm talking about the crime about the unnecessary loss of life. The lockdowns, in my opinion, caused unnecessary loss of life. I think that cannot be dis disputed. What's about the vaccine? I'm, I'm not comfortable to say like more, uh, more concrete things, but I think that has to be investigated. But lockdowns, unnecessary loss of life definitely yeah. and i think that this this crime what's weird about it is that no one's really a perpetrator no one's really doing this crime but we have all these little helpers everyone's doing their small little part That's and it, it's yeah. all advancing the crime yes yeah. so so well put both of you guys i really really liked your answers um yeah it's it's fascinating i think there's that that old idea and certainly we saw it in, in our situation i mean we were talking about it this morning in 2008 we had the subprime mortgage crisis occur in the united states and really had a huge economic impact and and it was it turns out it, there was the old idea is you could look at it as a human story or you could look at it as a crime story and it was only when you began to look at the story as the latter that it began to to make some kind of sense of course the fact is that there was really one no intense perpetrate yeah everyone played a little role in it and it became normalized and it was incredibly bureaucratized um so it was able to proceed that way but of course in, this is interesting because in canada we're a really young country um you know we're only 100 i think leave what i think definition 1867 we were given our first mm -hmm. constitution yeah we're like 150 60 years old um but you know being a young country Look back at Europe. Europe's been through so much. You guys are in Germany, a fascinating country, lots of history. We were kind of thinking that Europe might be a little bit more hesitant to, to, to implementing all these. I mean, you guys, Europe had been through the Dark Ages, has been through so much fascinating history, and people might be skeptical to just kind of blankly believe in the government. Was that your your thoughts too at the start? Or was that, um, I mean, why why was there not that, that extra hesitancy? We might be wondering as Canadians. I think in the beginning, we did have something like that. I think okay. the people when before the media really started to to drive the narrative, they, there were a lot of people who were saying, well, let's first look at the situation. But as soon as the media uh, started to to really get this narrative out, then everyone fell in place. Mm. I think what's what's important to understand for is is important to understand for people from the English speaking sphere is that in Europe, even though you you might not think it is like that, but it is like this that people trust the government in the first place. They they really do trust the government. That's what we also saw in Sweden, which uh, came came out of the pandemic relatively good or well in in, in relative terms. Um, the people also followed the government, but it's it's not like this this thing of mistrusting the government or having distrust in in general. That's not it's not really a european thing i'd say interesting. interesting so so my take is slightly slightly different because i think it was like a longer process of people being prepped for the state of emergency so we had like uh, we had already the swine flu the bird flu as i mentioned but also like global uh, terrorist attacks which which were like brossed like crazy in the media even though statistically speaking it's very unlikely to be attacked by a terrorist and also 
what what if you looked very closely at the conversations that we be, were being held that they slowly but surely removed some words and uh, one of the words that they were slowly removing from the discourse way before was the citizen you know and as you might be aware the citizen has like a long tradition in Europe, the citizenship, uh, the riots for more, um, for for people, for the more simple people um, to, to have their own rights to vote, to participate in society. And, you know, we got a long, 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 long way about that. And then they said, uh, you know, a former chancellor, chancellor referred to the populations as people you know she was just talking about the people and mm. you know they slowly removed traditions and were not talking so much about um parents anymore or fathers mothers women or you know i i picked it up the word which you're not able to say and replace it with some strange concepts which uh, parent would be like a person who has like the authority to bring up the child and and through through psychological means they were really uh trying to dissolve family structures as well as uh, blocking off the way to traditions and also um what they did is not just just trying to to push away the tradition but on the other hand they implemented this woke ideology and uh, that you can change your gender now I'm serious about that they I think it was last year that they made a law that you can legally change your quote-unquote gender <laughs> each year so and you know they are now telling you like oh yeah there's like 600 different genders and 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 the crazy thing is that people at university basically believe that so they say oh yeah i might be i don't know i might be identifying as i don't know as cross gender or whatever gender and you know at one point I was like this is ridiculous you know I identify as vaccinated and my pronouns are Pfizer and Moderna you know I was like it's, it's just it, was, it got to a point where I just couldn't take it serious anymore but it had had like a story um before that's really interesting. There's this overlap with the Vogue. And I think also that if you were against the mandates, then they tried to put you into, into a corner where you were far right or where you were like some 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 kind of person who yes. didn't believe in democracy and all that. And it was also they also tried to um to discredit the protests that we had. And the protests that we had against against the mandates were. I think the biggest after the Soviet Union collapsed after eight. It was even bigger. It was even bigger, even bigger because it was. In the, I'm I'm very very proud on that because it was like one of the biggest protest movements in in Germany. No, it was the biggest 
protest movement in the entire history of this country. And people were basically uh, going for a walk, as they said, each Monday. And I participated in these Monday walks, as you would call them as well. And, and it did move something, I think, because it just made it visible that there were tons of people not going along what was going on. And it was not, not just the uh, uh, unvaccinated, there were vaccinated people as well, because they said, okay, this has to stop. We are at a point where I don't go along with the narrative anymore. And uh, we also need to change the way laws are made. And it was a historic event in our parliament, which is called Bundestag. And I myself phoned the, we have delegates there, and just to annoy the secretaries and keep them for prepping, you know, they basically prep everything, they pre-write speeches, they make the planning, just to take some of the time I was talking to them about the mandates and even uh, with most of the people I called, I made like eight calls, you know, we didn't have a common ground, but just to make them see, you know, if they pass this, you know, there will be consequences, you know, that we are not taking this lightly. If they had passed it, you know, I'm glad that they didn't, but, you know, there were many, many people in this country who said very clearly that were they're total opposing that kind of total totalitarian legislation and also what i'm very proud of that um there was a group which which is called seven arguments and it was uh, basically very reputable doctors professors who made a consorted effort to talk to our representatives and um, stop this law. I'm, I'm getting emotional because, yeah, I could, <laughs> I could help them a little um, with, um, yes, with, with preventing this law from happening. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a quite, a, I mean, uh, my props to you guys, I think it's lovely when uh, other countries applaud one another for the work everyone does because that, that's pretty amazing that you all got out and, and, and did that too and I, I do remember uh, the the protests coming in the videos out of Germany and it was quite liberating for us too to see that our Ger German friends were, were doing this as well so I think it, it shares in that you know we, so there's nice. that international although the mandates might have been imposed internationally and we all were victims of these awful mandates we, we all kind of crossed our borders and and, and shared the love in that sure, sense and so one, yeah. one of the more popular videos that we posted to our Instagram, I did a compilation of all these protests places in Europe were doing and just across the world. And the comments and like even messages I got to my inbox just saying like, thank you so much for sharing it. Almost makes me emotional too. Whenever yeah. I talk about Freedom Convoy, <laughs> when I brought it up, we were talking about it earlier, I was getting all these sort of shivers and like, I started shaking. I'm like, it just, it, I, I will never not feel that when I think about the Freedom Convoy, so I completely relate. Yeah. But yeah, people were messaging me being like, this is so emotional to me. I needed to see this. Thank you for sharing this. I'm like, well, I feel thankful that these people are doing this because it had this ripple effect across the whole world. Just seeing like these people marching and it was filling like you'd see the the buildings on either side and it was filling that whole space and the, the video would sort of pan up and you just see 
all the way down. Oh, just, it's beautiful. It is. I think it's a nice thing too, to be emotional about it. I think it's a, a, a lovely thing and, and that we, uh, you know, yeah, there's different times in history when, when they're, um, I remember talking to a doctor, me and Lee had been out to attend a conference, medical conference out in Nova Scotia, so far into the other side of the country. And the doctors there had, had mentioned that this was very similar to the 1980s when, when HIV was taking place in the hospital system. And that, you know, this is doctors were really emotionally impacted by this. And it was something that really kept them in unison, the doctors who had made a concerted effort to fight for for the patient's care in that instance, and had brought up many emotional stories of that time too. And had, watching the doctors share in that emotional uh, time was was something quite quite amazing to see. And but that brings us to the point. I mean, how is Germany um, in the sense that? Canada has really kept together, I think, and a lot of our movements have remained in touch. You sound like you have the doctors group there of physicians and people who had voiced concern to the government. Is is people still keeping in touch? Is the movement still in unison in some in some sort, although the mandates may have have, have sort of dissipated? So what I have personally witnessed is that just in my case, uh, my network is still standing well, and I'm still on the phone with critical folks. And, and you know, I came to the conclusion that this is just isn't just three years of a quote unquote pandemic, which is going on, but it's like systemic. And for me, you know, you know, if you look like also my perspective is it's like if you're getting sick basically that your that your system is ready for the cure and i see it like with the society at large the same thing because it was like an outbreak i think it was for me it's like more like a mental disease which was mm. like coming to the surface which was already there so um, we're not through yet and um, what what I can just say from my own experience is that basically people from from different directions are now collaborating so I have a very dear friend of mine who is becoming a dentist and um, you know through the press work which I already made I established some contacts uh, with for him with critical um, people from the medicine field and uh, they still continue to collaborate and also to share their knowledge because um, what I saw which was excluded from from the conversation is like what our minds or thoughts and also like the cultural aspect had to do with with um, with the very real outbreak of illnesses that we are still seeing um, because I think everyone by knows now by by now knows that fear is very suppressive to your immune system chronic stress as well or that you're afraid to lose your existence that's all factors which were like um, really bad on 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 the health of the populace and um and there are so many challenges that we are facing. So, yeah, Mike, do you want to add on that? I also think that whatever this movement has caused, um, 
or whatever people have come together that they will stick together and it's i think it is completely understandable that a lot of us are getting emotional when they see these videos from back from the time it's there's always this fear that this is going to happen again for me personally at least i i do i i'm i'm i i have fear about what is going to happen the next time when the government says or the media says, well, there's a new lockdown for whatever reason, and everyone goes along again. And so I think what's what's also happened with a lot of people is that they have they have these circles or they have they have met new people either through their jobs because they 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 have lost their jobs through the mandates, or they have new found new friends from this from this movement. And at least there you can be sure that these people share the same values. And it's I I do think it is going to last, and if it, I well, hope that people are going to to join, and that people are going to ask themselves, well, what's happened here? May I not uh, be part of? Am I not more part of this group that has always said freedom is more important than having these very rigid measures for everyone? That's where I think that if this did happen again, people would be so much more ready to stand up and say no right because it kind of it slowly came on you're going oh is this going to keep going how bad is this going to get and then it gets to a point where now you're scared to say anything but if you start to see that coming again you're going to go no 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 i know where this leads to stop that's why i feel like i have faith that it's going to be okay and that we've we have the work that you guys have done and and like different mm -hmm. groups like yours has done in bringing people together um, is really what's going to ensure that this doesn't happen again. But just as sort of a, a final close, which we should have started off with, can you tell us a bit about your group? <laughs> which we never got to really. Like what, what work have you guys been doing and just kind of describe a little bit about like how big it is. And, and, and maybe the future goals too. Future goals would be, would be lovely. Yeah, Mike, do you want to to start with, with, with uh, some juicy facts about our organization? Some juicy facts. How about you start, and I'm going to to add to that. Okay. Okay. So, um, basically, basically, um, the group was formed from uh, by a student, which, uh, he's living in Bavaria, and it started on Telegram, and it was late 2020, to my knowledge, and it was like just him sitting in his room, and he was like desperate because there was was like teachers who were critical, like policemen, everyone. And he was like, well, how about the folks of my age? You know, it was like, everything was like 40 plus. And uh, then he just set up his Telegram group. And and from then on, it, it, it uh, grew bigger and bigger. And now I think... I don't have the exact numbers, but I think we are like around 5,000 uh, students-ish um, along, uh, along side of Germany. And, um, and a lot of people just met on demonstrations or from just talking to other critical people and like got a recommendation. And we had like a lot of meetings in person when we were like oh yeah there's still critical people as well and then we connected over time 
and and yeah and we're still still working on this project and i think it will be like a life challenge yeah yeah i it, think it just sounds just like ours yeah <laughs> all right go me. ahead mike um yeah that's that's a very good description of stauf and i think also that stauf was a it was like a pool where you were isolated from the lockdowns you you'd need a group someone to who wasn't at least going crazy and so that's how a lot of us uh, met there and apart from the political activities we have for example this year there's like a Wim Hof weekend oh yes yeah I could do that but I, I saw some photos like these guys are going strong <laughs> uh, we have a, a choir weekend I think in four weeks around four weeks we have get-togethers and all that so it's it's a really it's it's a very very diverse group a community really yeah it's so needed in this time as yeah. we've said like just bringing people together a, a big part of sort of what I was saying in the beginning is I think if you bring them together and um they know that they have that backing, like that group of people who will stand with them. You are encouraging people to speak up and to to take action. So I just I think that's incredible. And and where do you think this is now going to go? Like, what are your goals for the future? So we're right now in the process of uh, of writing a positioning paper, and it's not quite done yet, but I'm very certain that we will be ready this upcoming summer, and it will be dealing with issues such as environment, woke ideology, and um, a lot of political issues, basically, and and also what we will continue to be doing is to uh, what I now call the quality media. I don't call it alternative anymore because like propaganda is for me, it's propaganda. You know, we have like um, state funded media, which I you know, they shape the discourse, yes, but for me, it's like more the Orwellian television, which is speaking to me. So um, we will continue to be having conversation on the quality media, um, also encouraging um, like conversations at the universities and like um, trying to find like a better solution uh, for, for like the real problems that we're facing such as the energy crises I could go on and on but to really revive the discourse that's like the most important thing that we're striving to do amazing amazing that's awesome well I feel like there's yeah. going to be a lot of us working together in the future we're going to have to collaborate on some things and yeah definitely we, we... you guys we 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 love stuff. I think <laughs> Sam loves stuff. I think we can put that clearly at the end. You guys are amazing and great answers. That was it's um it's so relieving for us too to have these great um sessions with yeah absolutely. And just a quick thing, I mean, for for the listeners, when you get some context, I mean, five thousand students and young people in Germany who are together on this is a lot of people, right? A lot of really bad uh, situations have been um fixed and 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 changed with with far far fewer so the numbers are actually really encouraging and positive and it's so wonderful to hear that you're staying in touch and, and doing fun things like that and i at least i think we have to potentially think about doing a wim hof <laughs> event yeah. as well so i think that's we're writing some notes down here this is this yeah, is a takeaway for us 
but well, um, I, can you just list out what your website is so people can find yeah, it and we'll do the links below yeah yeah it's it's stauf.org and um yeah and uh, you can also find us on twitter and it's you know i think it's more for the german viewers it's at stauffklärung and uh, the last thing is that you can find us on telegram and um yeah and then we have like regional groups which are listed on our website if you're interested to get in touch and we are very happy to welcome new members wonderful well thank you guys so much we really thank appreciate you. it that was awesome thank you thank so you. much okay